Have you ever had a fun idea and realized it was a terrible idea? I was a freshman in college and I decided to dye my hair. <laughs> For some reason I had always wanted to do it. Don't ask me why I have no idea it was 12 years ago. Apparently, I had impeccable timing because it was the start of No Shave November. And I chose to dye my hair bleach blonde. So at the end of November, I had a bright blonde head and a dark brown hair. It was great. I went to a small college, so everyone commented to me about my heel. Jesse, it looks good. And I knew that it was a bad idea, but I wanted to go along with my decision, so I was very happy and people knew that I was happy. So they probably commented good things uh, to spill my feelings. But isn't it amazing how we can deceive ourselves? One of my favorite verses is Psalm 119.29. Keep me from lying to myself and give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. Isn't it interesting when you're a kid, everyone tells you don't tell lies to others, but no one tells you don't lie to yourself. And guess who you lie to the most? Yourself. Well, thank you for this this morning. Please prepare our ears to hear from <coughs> you and please make my words your words. Please remove any distractions from our minds. Lord, in your name we pray, amen. So before we look at this parable, let's look at Genesis 3 real quick. God created Adam and Eve, placed them in the garden. They could do anything except one thing. God commanded them not to eat the fruit of the tree of good and evil. They rebelled against God and they ate the fruit. And that's what sin is, rebelling against God. They realized that something was wrong from that moment, everyone was born with sin in them. Adam and Eve blamed 
each other for the old saying, when God questioned them, do you eat from the tree that I command do you not to eat from? To blame is to assign responsibility for a fault or wrong on others or a situation for something we've done. We blame others or a situation because we don't want to be honest that we were the ones at fault. So the rest of our time together, we are going to discuss how do I become right with God. If you're liking your bulletins or Bibles, will be in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their unrighteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. I feel about real quick Wait, just to remind us, is the story of what life is like when heaven meets all. Jesus introduces two characters, a Pharisee and a tax collector. A Pharisee was a loyal and a religious leader, someone who taught regularly in the temple. He was a professional worshiper of God. They were well-dressed. They were concerned with how they were like, like, like from the outside. Everything that they did was about being the best follower of God. The other character is a tax collector, and if you know your history, Israel was oppressed by the Romans, and a tax collector was a Jewish person who worked for Rome, the enemy, he, and he would Taxes fellow Jews. They were often very wealthy because they intentionally lied about how much someone owed them so they could keep a little extra money for themselves. Now unlike the tax collector, they were considered traitors. We lie about sin because we want others to think we're better than we actually are. What is this underlining emotion? Shame. If you really knew me, 
you wouldn't love me. Some of us believe that we can outwalk our shame with good walks, and some of us believe that God won't accept us because of our sins. Both of these ways of thinking are false. Next, the theology stood at a distance by himself, prayed this prayer, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I give you a tenth of my income and fast twice a week. I went to college in the Pacific Northwest and about 12 years ago I discovered country music. <laughs> I got made fun of for listening to country because they're all hipsters up here. <laughs> I do my own thing, man. <laughs> There was one song called Homecoming Queen. It's about a girl who smiles all her life and she zips up the mess with her dress. Even the Homecoming Queen cries. One of the reasons I love country music is it tells the truth about the human experience, like it ain't pretty. <laughs> the theology believes that he doesn't need God, he is so focused on himself. Notice he's arrogant and self-centered. Jesus and the theologians didn't get along. He was bothered by them and called them hypocrites. And the word hypocrite here is translated as actor. They would teach the word of God and then live differently from how they taught. Jesus tells them that they are like whitewashed tombs, a fancy tomb down in a graveyard, but inside they were dead corpses. See, a theology is so focused on playing the part. You can know a lot about God, you can say and do all the right things, but still be far from God. The sin of the theology is actually pride. No one can know that I'm struggling in my faith. No one can know that I'm struggling with anxiety and depression. No one can know that I have this 
secret addiction. See, uh, we focus on the external and neglectful parts. Well, run from God and run to our pride. And our pride says, you can get yourself out of this mess. So, this November, I will be celebrating 10 years of life. I was raised in a Christian household, fairly normal upbringing, and in middle school was hit with depression and anxiety. I went to a Christian college having the time of my life and then I got struck with depression and anxiety again. And it was almost unbearable. I was surrounded by people who loved me, who cared for me. I even had a professor call me into his office. I've learning about my depression. He asked, what's going on? And I was too embarrassed to show what was going on. So I just said I was depressed, which was true, but there were some internal things going on in my heart. I even considered suicide at one point. I'll never forget the next night I had a friend pray for me and I said, Zach, I'm anxious right now and I'm having trouble sleeping. Will you pray for me? I rather would tell a friend that I had trouble sleeping than to say, I thought last night might have been my last. How sad is that? But that's because of my own pride. Next, verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. He, instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you the truth. The sinner, not the Pharisee, returned justified, justified before God. As I said before, the tax collector was considered the worst people in all Jewish culture. Jesus would eat and party with the outcasts, the tax collector, and adult sinners. 
The Pharisees were often criticized him for hanging around them, which is unfortunate because we're all sinners. At one point, they asked Jesus' disciples, why does he eat with such scum? That was the religious leader's opinion of the tax collectors in those days. Like what Jesus says, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. The religious leader saw and judged them. Tax collectors and sinners were drawn to Jesus because they knew that they were sinners, yet Jesus accepted him, accepted them right where they were. A lie that we commonly believe is that we need to change before we accept Jesus. But the first step is actually being honest. And being honest means admitting we can't fix the problem. The tax collector asks God to have mercy on him for he was a sinner. And Jesus shocks the world by saying the tax collector, the traitor, is justified before him. After Adam and Eve sinned, they hid from God. God was calling to them, we are all you. Adam said, I was hiding because I was afraid because I was naked. And God asked him a very interesting question. Who told you you were naked? Let me translate that. Who told you that there was something wrong with you? They had sewed leaves to cover themselves. Leaves could not cover their sin, so God ended up making them clothes. And in order to do that, he had to kill an animal to cover them. So, how God began to teach me to be honest with myself. I was sitting in senior theology class, which is where we wrote everything that we believe about God. I was frustrated with my life. You see, everything on the outside looked good, but internally I was still a mess. God started dropping little hints about being honest with myself 
and with him about my sin. And God used the pastor teaching this parable to help me begin to change my life. The old parts of me that I didn't want God to touch because I wasn't honest with myself. I knew that I was a sinner, but I wasn't honest with where I was. And I sensed God telling me very clearly, stop telling me what I want to hear and start telling me the truth. It's an ongoing process, but God is very gracious and he understands that we fall short. How do we think about this parable? Parables teaches what the kingdom of God is like, and we learned from the parable of the prodigal son that we ought never to fall from the father. God welcomes the strength of those who are far from him. He tries to communicate to the older brothers and the Pharisees and the crowd that there's room for adults in the kingdom of God. Why can we learn from this parable. The Pharisee. You know what's funny about this story is 2,000 years ago, you did not pray silently. You prayed out loud. So there's a very good chance that everyone, including this tax collector, heard the Pharisee's prayer. At least I'm not like him. How sad is that? You'll never get back to church if you hear someone saying that. We compare ourselves to others. But when we step into someone else's life, we begin to see that we're not so different from uh, that other person. The Pharisees saw the world as you're either in the kingdom of God or you're out of the kingdom. But God is concerned about others and our response towards others should match God. What would it look like if we saw our neighbors, our co-workers, for who they are? Not as a label or status, but someone as created in the image of God. The tax collector. Matthew who wrote the Gospel of 
have you with the disciple of Jesus. He was intact to like so before he started following Jesus. Matthew was going for two as Matthew the tax collector three years after he stopped being a tax collector. One of my favorite speakers, Sivadros, who is now at home with the Lord. He was a part of the gay community. He had an encounter with God and walked away from his lifestyle. He became a pastor and had a family and a great ministry. He was such an effective communicator declaring that there's freedom and grace in Jesus. I think what means such an effective communicator is he understood the freedom that he had received in Christ. And it takes a certain kind of dependency on the Lord to know where you've been, but choosing to accept to live the life that God has called you into. You are not your sin or your struggle. Let's pray. Lord, it's hard to like us in and be honest with ourselves about our sin. We can't cover all sin, but you love us where we are. You know our stories and you know where we're going through. We pray for dependency on you acknowledging the ways in which we fall short, but understand that there is freedom in your love and forgiveness. We want to experience your kingdom coming to all. In your name we pray, amen.